Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive writer for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. Across the table from me is Bruce Aldrich. We haven't seen each other for a few weeks. Uh, Bruce was away. Uh, I was at the Consumer Electronics Show, which is going to be the focus of our podcast uh, this morning. We're here. I apologize when we are uh, not broadcasting, but our guest is Will Grayland, and um, Will was part of the, uh, I want to say, hybrid, if you will, consumer electronics show this year. There were still, I think, 2,000 companies there. Some companies decided not to attend because of the COVID variant, but Will is uh, the boss uh, of um, Indigo. And Indigo is among the companies that are looking onto the horizon with uh, autonomous things. And uh, Will, thanks for being available today. Uh, again, apologize for not um, meeting in person or having some time with you down there, but we're glad that you were available today. So welcome to our podcast. It's my pleasure. Bruce, uh, I'm going to let you carry the ball on the, on the entry level in terms of how you want to start this. You've been doing some research, so why don't you give it a go? Oh, I wish I knew half as what much as uh, Will does. But anyway, it's, uh, we're talking electric mobility. Is that correct, uh, Will? Absolutely. Yes, 100% electric mobility. And uh, you've got a sort of a whole new niche, or at least it's new to me, I yes, should say. Yes, new to me and as well. targeting uh, delivery services and rideshare. Yes, um, that's, uh, that's correct. We, um, we focus on the next generation of urban mobility, particularly when it comes to commute, rideshare, and um, delivery. As you know, the world is changing, and more and more miles are being put on by the gig workers that are delivering our food, um, our meals, our packages, um, while we spend you know, less time uh, going to the malls and the grocery stores to pick up, you know, groups of, of uh, packages and, and uh, products that we need. And if you actually pay attention, however, um, Bruce and James, the vast majority of these packages are light. And whether you're talking about delivering my Chipotle's or, you know, package from Amazon, um, but also... I don't know when was the last time you guys were in an HOV lane. Um, my my uh, CTO and I were heading on uh, our way to CES, going into Boston Logan Airport. Because there were two of us, we flew through the HOV lane, and then on the right of us were bumper-to-bumper traffic. And it's because all of these cars were carrying one passenger. So if you think about all ride-sharing commutes, um, and even these delivery carry one or two passengers, 90% of them, um, then why are we driving around in big, heavy SUVs and big, heavy trucks? Isn't that a wasteful energy um, to, uh, to, to be having 4,000, 5,000 pound um, trucks and SUVs? And the primary reason is, is because, you know, we're being asked to supersize our cars, just like we're being asked to supersize uh, our fries and, and our fast food <laughs> to consume more sugar and more processed food because the companies actually make more money. And the OEMs make more money in their trucks and SUVs and uh, the light vehicles, the cars are actually being retired, as you both know. So 
we decided that we wanted to um, build a solution that is much lighter, much more efficient, and therefore much more cost-effective, whether it's for commuters like ourselves or whether it's for the gig economy workforce that depends on their miles driven being profitable. Yes. So, so that's, um, that's where our patented robotic wheels that came out of MIT professor Ian Hunter, who was uh, a GM fellow, um, he, he's one of the most prolific inventors out of MIT. And um, he had this thought that if we can change the propulsion suspension system to create two degrees of freedom, to create these robotic wheels, we can actually make lighter EVs feel much more comfortable. And we can free up more cabin space on the inside by putting both propulsion and suspension in each corner. And then therefore have a lighter weight vehicle that actually has more interior space that feels like a magic carpet ride. And that is what we're driving towards with the Indigo Flow and the Indigo Flow Plus. These are two vehicles that uh, we're planning to, um, to launch utilizing the exact same propulsion suspension platform. I was looking at the website, and they're actually pretty good-looking vehicles and totally different than anything I've seen before. But back to this robotic wheel, which I thought was really interesting. And it's not just in uh, the integration of suspension and propulsion, but it's an active suspension. Can, can you explain that? Yes. So the robotic wheels have basically controllers that uh, control the, uh, the inner stator and the outer stator that not only allows us to put power into and torque into the rotational force in each corner that is independent. So that means you can have certainly better traction control um, and, and, and better handling, um, but also allow us to sense the road conditions, uh, whether there's a pothole that allows us to push down on the wheel or a speed bump that allows us to push up on the wheel without moving the rest of the body or what we call the sprung mass. So that at millisecond levels, we can sense the road condition. We have a passive suspension component also, but we would push against or away from the passive suspension to allow us to have that incredibly smooth ride and the ability to create things like yaw control, roll control, um, and torque vectoring to create this unbelievably smooth um, ride that otherwise would not be achievable without full active suspension and propulsion in each corner. Doesn't it have the braking in there, too? You don't mention it, but aren't the bra isn't there a disc in there? Yes, there is a disc um, in there that allows us to actively break through traditional hydraulic braking, but there's also regenerative braking in each corner so that uh, we can send energy back if you're just coasting and, uh, and, and minimize the, the wearing of your brake pads, utilizing regenerative braking. That's a, it's a pretty neat concept. If it works anything like it you're describing, it's, yeah, it's great. Um, so that saves weight, and then you're, you're mentioning in the website that you uh, hope to go with carbon re, uh, redone or reused, repurposed uh, carbon fiber for lightness. Uh, how, do you, how do you get the car half the weight of everybody else's? Uh, 
Great question. The, the way that we get the, the weight to be half of the weight of the average vehicle is we start out with um, a, a smaller vehicle from dimensionally on the outside to start with, even though it's roomier on the inside. So if you look at most of the SUVs, especially the ones that are built on truck platforms, um, those four-wheel drive SUVs, you have the axle, um, you have transmission in the, in the middle, and you basically have the usable cabin space well above the wheels themselves. True. So all of that you know, space down to the floor, you can't really use. For us, we can have a smaller vehicle with nothing in between the wheels. We can have a low, flat floor from front all the way to the back. And that allows us to have more usable cabin space in a smaller vehicle. And if you start out with a smaller vehicle with a, um, a, a foundation of light weighting, guess what? We don't have to use a big heavy battery to go the same distance. We can use a two to three times smaller um, battery. And the battery is actually one of the most expensive, but it's also one of the heaviest part of the vehicle. So if we start out with a smaller vehicle and we have a that's two to three times lighter, then we're further cutting down on the weight of the vehicle itself. But beyond that, we purposely are also looking at where else can we save mass and what other construction materials can we use. And we are focusing on, you know, light weighting the vehicle, whereas the other traditional OEMs they have their investment in their chassis. They have their investment in their frame and the way that they normally make it, uh, you know, safe and, and the way that they normally, uh, you know, make it comfortable. They don't have a real need to focus on light weighting, whereas we're going to be focused on light weighting to make sure that we're on a more efficient vehicle. So light weighting, if you think about back in um, the 60s and 70s, the Volkswagen Beetle. I own one. On <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's a 1,500-pound vehicle. Exactly. You yeah. know, the early ones. And the uh, later ones might be 1,600 pounds um, when you upgraded the, uh, the engine. But uh, the first Beetle was like 47 horsepowers. It was, you know, way, way, uh, way small. But over time, it's still a lightweight vehicle that was easy to repair. It was... Um, it was efficient, um, and it was actually pretty iconic. Twenty million units sold, right? Sure. So I remember we kind of modeled after that. I remember, as a quick aside, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to Bruce or not, because Bruce still has his uh, Volkswagen, but I had a '62, and because it was so light, I am a member. Friends would buy 50-pound bags of sand and put them in the in the front tr trunk to get a little extra weight so it wouldn't move around. I don't know if that was a good idea. I just followed a friend doing it, but we did it. Um, oh, to make it handle better? Yeah, okay. make it handle no, better. That's news to me. Yeah, so, I have um, a 59. Yeah. Mine handles bad. I don't <laughs> I don't need weight in there. Will, since um, we were acquainted uh, through a public relations firm and, and uh, I was there as a media representative to CES, uh, and there were like-minded people there in, in your world and people walking around with, you know, knowledge of uh, where the future is going. 
what was the reaction from people who were lay people um, who came to the show and saw what you guys are offering? Do you think it'll be an easy uh, learning curve or um, the abs- uh, absorption of knowledge or people who have no idea that this is what's going to go on relatively soon? What was the reaction from people who weren't that in tune with the autonomous world? So I think people are going to respond to just three simple things. Smoother, roomier, and cheaper. And if they can experience the smoothness, um, and anybody who has been in one of our vehicles uh, and can experience the difference on a speed bump test against even my Tesla, <clears throat> you can see how smooth it is. And, and as far as the, the ride hail and delivery drivers, they would appreciate the space that's inside. The passengers that are riding on the ride hail will be able to experience the, um, um, the magic carpet ride experience. But the other aspect is if they know that because of the smaller battery, the, the lighter weight, and the efficiency that we build into this vehicle, um, that every mile that they drive, they could be paying somewhere on the order of about two cents for energy versus the average car that they drive, which is about 13 cents uh, on average in the United States for energy cost. The unit economics will absolutely make sense for not only <clears throat> drivers, but also the fleets that may want to own these vehicles as well. So smoothness, smoother, yeah, so smoother, roomier, cheaper. Yeah, your price point was, you know, down in around 20000 correct? Roughly around 25000 in today's um, economics is where we want to start at. And we don't know where inflation is going to take us in the next two years by the time we get to SOP. But, um, but uh, we definitely see that, you know, we'll be 15 to 20% cheaper than uh, the average EV in America. And you're, you're talking about uh, building these in the U.S. Uh, with the name of uh, Jack Roush from NASCAR, Roush Enterprises? Yes, we're looking at, um, we're currently looking at a number of um, companies like Roush that have contract manufacturing capabilities and, um, and that can produce early volumes of the vehicle. And when it gets to higher volumes, we're going to be needing, you know, larger tier one contract manufacturers to, uh, to help us produce these vehicles. Uh, many of them have the factory, the processes, and the people uh, to be able to produce these vehicles uh, at scale. And we will supply the, uh, the technology, the design, and, of course, we've hired uh, expertise uh, into the company uh, from companies like Audi, our CTO, as you may have heard, uh, Volker Casey, um, was the former head of, um, head of innovation and innovation management at Audi. And he was there for seven years and a uh, dozen more years before Volkswagen. And, uh, and we're bringing on other folks, uh, you know, recently joined us with former <clears throat> Lucid and Porsche designer um, that, uh, that is now our lead designer. Um, Eric Obers and uh, Hugh Robinson. So we have people from the industry that are joining us to help us design the vehicle. And when it comes to manufacturing and production, we see people, you know, all over the United States. There are multiple plants 
that can help us produce these in volume. And where do you expect to be, say, I don't know, five years down the road? How many cars uh, you're hoping to be running around on the streets? So we expect to be uh, at SOP um, in the next two and a half years. <clears throat> and then um, manufacturing in volume. And within five years of going SOP, our goal is to be uh, able to hit six digits in terms of uh, annual production of our flow and flow plus. And, uh, and not only domestically, but we're seeing demands uh, in Europe and in Asia. And we expect to, uh, to fulfill the demands with robotic wheels. And in the very long run, uh, Bruce and James, <clears throat> really doesn't matter whether these vehicles are driven by uh, humans, whether they're commuters or gig workers, or whether some of them are being driven by um, autonomous vehicles, uh, robots. You know, the need for uh, a smoother, roomier, and a lower-cost vehicle is absolutely necessary. The uh, You mentioned Tesla uh, earlier, so since you mentioned Tesla, I'm wondering if you had a chance to go in the, I just call it a tube, um, from some of the different halls that were uh, at the convention center in Las Vegas, and if that was of interest to you and what you guys have going on or or not, and, and what you made of it, if you had a chance to, to go to from, let's say, Hall A to Hall D, whatever it might have been. Did you experience that, and, and what did you make of it? No, I, I wish I, I could have. I didn't have time to actually go and experience the, uh, um, the, uh, the Tesla uh, tube. Yes. Uh, did you get a chance to do that? Yes, I was fascinated by it, and I'm not what, really a what test. Was your, what was your impression? Well, I, my impression was that it couldn't have, couldn't have, could not have run any more efficiently than it than it ran. Um, I wouldn't have minded. It was a, the days were nice down there. I wouldn't have minded walking from Hall A to Hall D. But um, somebody said, "Hey, check this out." And once I did, and they had, I'm just going to say a hundred of them. That you walked down the stairs. There was a car. You were in the car for a minute, give or take a few seconds, and you were at your destination. And it was very efficient. So. That's awesome. The, the, the infrastructure and, um, you know, the costs and, and all that stuff, of course, I have no clue what, what that is. But um, as a test, I think it's the, the first one they've had in a, in a city that has um, needs like that in Las Vegas with all kinds of conventions. I was um, overwhelmingly impressed by it, and it was great. That's awesome. I wish I could have experienced it, and I love the idea. And anything that can help us uh, save time, save energy, save money, um, I am all for it. Uh, going back to, to your company now, um, and pardon me for not understanding this correctly, will there be uh, test markets first? Will you have uh, areas? I know some companies have used Arizona, some um, California or other cities, uh, maybe Colorado. What, what is your approach to this, and how do you plan to, to progress Great question. So for Indigo, we are looking at selling our solutions, um, whether it is to fleets, um, to mobility as a service companies, um, or to uh, individuals that want to be able to, to buy them. And with my other company, OV Loop, um, we are building uh, mobility as a service uh, as well. And OV Loop is building the first, um, you know, what we call super app uh, in America. 
And we're building a self-custody super wallet um, that allows consumers to be able to put their own sensitive credentials where they get to manage their own lock and keys and be able to store all of that data. And part of that sensitive credentials is not only payment data and ID membership and and um, and passwords and crypto keys and whatever they want to put in there, but also things like uh, your driving score, um, your credit score, your work score that allows um, lower cost of insurance for insurance companies that value your score or credit, lower cost credit. And our ability to work with building a user base that uh, find the OV Loop solution valuable means also in certain cities, we're looking to set up mobility as a service for people to be able to get access to vehicles like the Flow and Flow Plus, um, as long as they have the right uh, credit scores and work scores and driving scores. So if they qualify for that, they should be able to get access to the Flow vehicles for less than them owning a used gas car. That's our goal because of the unit economics that we have with, with flow and the lower cost um, of energy use and lower cost of, uh, of the vehicle itself, we can help amortize um, the, uh, the cost of driving down that is more affordable than the use inefficient gas cars that they're currently driving. So this is like so we're uh, going to start that in multiple cities. I yeah. see. Gotcha. This is like gig cars, but better vehicles because they're Indigos, and exactly and be- like much better cars. software and, and software on steroids compared to gig. <laughs> you're you're exactly right. Okay, it's, uh, like Zipcar on steroids. There you go. <laughs> in fact, one of our one of our board member was the president of Zipcar, Mark Norman, um, who's uh, who's an investor and a board member of ours, and uh, we're thrilled that he's joined us. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, he had spent seven years with Zipcar in the early days and, of course, using conventional vehicles um, with less data um, to, uh, to manage and qualify drivers. And our goal is to, to use next-generation, more efficient, roomier, safer, and, and smoother vehicles that are lower cost. And then layer on top of that better data, um, that uh, help us improve the unit economics. What's not to like? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's a panacea. I'll I'll be the I'll be the doomsayer here, and I'm not the doomsayer uh, by nature. But what are the obstacles you face when you go into Phoenix, Arizona, or Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Sacramento, California, where we're like, what what do you how do you need to persuade uh, whether it's governmental agencies or the state of California or what do you need? How do you need to win them over? And, and what are the restrictions and requirements that you have to face? I know it's a big question, but there must be some some roadblocks to use the cliche of that. Yeah, we're we're actually seeing that there's a, a high degree of of desire to support um, accessibility of lower cost, greener, more efficient vehicles, especially for the gig workforce, which is. Uh, providing financial inclusion to those who need it. Um, They have the time, um, they have the work ethic, and many of them just don't have the tools. They don't have access to the right tools that are efficient enough. And if you're driving an old beater that needs repair um, and consumes a lot of gas per mile, it doesn't make economic sense for you to, 
to drive for Uber, Lyft, you know, DoorDash, Instacart, and, and so forth, because, you know, the cost per mile is just too high. So we want to change that, and the governments of these cities have been actually very welcoming. And um, so whether you're starting with the city of Boston or you go to Sacramento, a lot of these uh, cities are looking for lower-cost transportation for the, not only the local residents, but for the local workforce to be productive. Now that you mentioned that, it, and thinking it through with your answer, going back to Las Vegas, when you had the Tesla um, transportation mode, the new one, and I did take a couple of Lyft rides from here and here to there, the Lyft drivers were, the two guys I was with, uh, were uh, adopting to uh, the way that they had to go around, but they couldn't go their normal way. And so even if it was um, a new way of transportation, they, they were rather limited. They couldn't go where they really wanted to go for some construction that was going on down there for the CES show and for the way that the, the Tesla um, situation worked. Um, it was almost like they had become old school, even though they were still kind of new school. So um, to your point, um, yeah, that we're going to get to the point where Lyft and Uber just aren't the way to go in some, in some respects. Yeah, there's going to be many modes of transportation, as you know, James. Um, and, and whichever mode suits the application need of that local environment, that local city, and also the, the local drivers, that's important. Yes. Well, I like what you're doing. You're promoting, at least in my mind, you're promoting personal mobility on on a inexpensive level versus you know city buses and they drive around empty all the time you know and they're very expensive and they have to be subsidized so i'd rather see car little indigos running around <laughs> that's right <laughs> i think there's room for a lot of different transportation as long as um you focus focus on first principles there are times you know when micromobility <clears throat> makes sense when you're within a density environment. Um, there are times when um, light mobility makes sense, and even public transportation makes sense. So it's a combination of these things to help drive us towards a more efficient way. But I can tell you what does not make sense. The next time you see bumper-to-bumper traffic is gas-burning, heavy trucks and SUVs that's carrying one person at a time. And that kind of energy that. waste just doesn't make sense. Yep. No, it doesn't. Well, Will, this is a good time to um, to break, I think. We thank you for your I, – whenever we have a guest on who's, you know, so passionate about their projects, and I, I learn a lot, but I want to learn more than just a half an hour. So I'm going to take some time to absorb what you've uh, told us. And uh, it just sounds so fascinating. I'm not sure which way to go first and uh, – how to learn and how to be more a part of it. But it's it just, as Bruce said earlier, it just sounds like uh, the future is now and um, you guys are part of it. So so thank you for being our guest on the Weekly yes, Driver po- Podcast. We'll, oh, it's, it's my, my pleasure, James and Bruce. Thank we, me. And there's, there's some information on indigotech.com, so feel free to go to uh, indigotech.com to, uh, to check it out. That's just what um, I was going to mention, if you could uh, mention that to us, but you, you beat me to it, so thank you for that. <laughs> so uh, so thank thank you for having me on and and I really appreciate uh, 
your podcast and, and uh, your educating the, your audience that are out there. And, um, and, and I wish you a, a happy and uh, productive 2022. And, and same to you and, and uh, the people you have, uh, all those, uh, you mentioned a lot of people. So we've got a lot of bright minds going on there. <laughs> let's, let's get her done. Let's huh? get her done. So thank you. We'll be all in right. touch soon with the, with the podcast link and uh, appreciate your, your being available. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Ken. My true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.